This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thanks for coming to Obsessed with Joseph Scrimshaw, the Back to the Future special. In just a few minutes, I'll be bringing up our very obsessive Back to the Future guests. But first, just in case anybody isn't entirely familiar with the Back to the Future trilogy, I have written out a short summary of all three films, which I believe I can uh, finish in just a very few minutes. So please enjoy this summary of Back to the Future. <clears throat> the Back to the Future film trilogy is a family-friendly classic about time travel, incest, terrorism, and the thematic search for morally acceptable reasons to punch people. So in 1985, there's a 17-year-old kid named Marty McFly, and all he wants in life is to get a big truck so he can take his girlfriend to the lake and have sex with her. <laughs> Marty's best friend is a wacky old scientist named Doc Brown who looks like he wandered off the set of a Muppets movie into this one. Marty appears to be friends with this creepy old man because he lured Marty into his lab with a really loud guitar amplifier. Or perhaps Marty likes Doc Brown because his own father is such a crushing disappointment. Marty's father allows himself to be terrorized by a douchebag named Biff. Biff the douchebag becomes a symbol for the inability to stand up for oneself, a theme that will be beaten like a dead horse that has been beaten to death in 1985, 1955, dystopian 1985, and 1885. Doc Brown has the brilliance to turn a DeLorean into a time machine, but he can't figure out how to work a video camera. So he calls Marty to join him in the parking lot of a mall. The time machine is fueled by plutonium stolen from Libyan terrorists. Libyan terrorists who apparently live in town because they immediately show up and brutally murder Doc Brown. Marty jumps into the time machine and travels to 1955. He runs around for a while, resisting the sexual advances of his lascivious teenage mother and cock-blocking his own father. Then Marty meets up with young Doc Brown, and they discover that Marty is being erased from existence because he is disappearing from a photograph, all of which reeks of being the setup to a shitty Nickelback song. <laughs> Marty then gets in a fight with 1955 douchebag Biff. Using his superior skateboarding skills, Marty makes Biff crash into a big pile of shit. This will happen two more times in the trilogy. It's like the repeating refrain of Welsh poet Dylan Thomas's immortal masterpiece, do not go gentle into that good night, but with shit. I'm only about halfway through the first film. <laughs> Marty's father finds the courage to punch Biff really hard in the face. Marty insultingly appropriates African-American culture by giving Chuck Berry the idea for his own music. Marty's father and mother then kiss, thereby saving Marty and reaffirming our belief as Americans that any problem can be solved with enough kissing and punching. Marty returns to 1985 and discovers his whole life is better. Marty gets a big truck and is about to go to the lake to have sex with his girlfriend Jennifer when Doc Brown shows up and cock blocks him. Doc Brown tells Marty and Jennifer that they have to go to the future and they all get into the DeLorean and fly away because that's a great way to end a movie if you're not planning to make any sequels. Which brings us to Back to the Future 2. The first thing that happens is Jennifer gets knocked unconscious and dumped in an alley for reasons of narrative convenience. Then we see the future. It's got hoverboards! They're like skateboards, but with more hovering. 
Jennifer wakes up and goes to her future house. It's revealed that their lives are a pile of crap because Marty can't say no to a fight if someone calls him a chicken. We learn the shocking truth that punching people doesn't always work out. Sad old Marty gets fired by a fax machine in 2015. It is sad. Marty, Doc Brown, and Jennifer return to 1985. Jennifer gets knocked out again and they dump her on a porch. She will stay there for another movie and a half. 1985 is a horrible dystopia with casinos and punk rock music. So, Marty and Doc go back to 1955 to show us parts of the first movie and painfully remind us how much better it was. But then Marty uses a motherfucking hoverboard to make young Biff crash into a pile of shit. Do not go gentle into that good night! Everything is fixed again. But Back to the Future 3 happens anyway. I barely remember what happens in this film and I watched it yesterday. It is set in the Old West because someone thought, hey, why not? Marty meets his paternal great-great-grandparents, one of whom looks exactly like his mother, which no one ever comments on. Doc falls in love with a lady but ends up cock-blocking himself by talking to her about time travel. The same exact thing used to happen to me in bars when I was telling women about Doctor Who, but I digress. Marty realizes it's not always okay to punch people, but then the film finds a morally acceptable reason for him to do exactly that, and he punches Biff until he falls into a pile of shit. Do not go gentle into that good night! Then Marty uses a train, the DeLorean, and a hoverboard to return to 1985. He picks up Jennifer from her porch, where she has been for a movie and a half! They get in his truck, possibly to go have sex by a lake, but then flee from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, dares Marty to a race. And Marty's all like, sorry, Flea, but I just went on a three-film journey of moral redemption, and I don't even know if I care about sex anymore. Then Doc Brown shows up with his family, having turned a train into a flying time machine, thereby inventing steampunk in 1885, no doubt fucking up the timeline once again. He flies away to start a short-lived cartoon version of Back to the Future that I will never, ever watch, no matter what. The end. Thank you. So I trust everybody totally understands everything about Back to the Future, at least narratively, at this point. So I'm going to bring up our guest. Our first guest is someone who is truly, deeply obsessed with Back to the Future, actor and comedian Josh Carson. Hello, Josh. Hello, Joseph, and hello, podcast. Hello, podcast. Hello. It's not alive, but you can talk. I'm I'm only going to address the podcast. You can talk sexy to my podcast if you want. (laughs) Uh, Our next guest also knows a lot about Back to the Future. I don't know exactly how obsessed he is, but he is actually incredibly knowledgeable because he is an actual physicist. Please welcome Dr. Jim Kakalius. Hello, Joseph. Hello. See how he says hello to me? Like I'm a human man? (laughs) Kakalius sounds like it'd be the name of a bully in an 80s movie. Oh, you better watch out, Kakalius. He's going to get you in the bathroom, Kakalius. Actually, actually it's the name of a monster from the old Tales to Astonish. (laughs) I challenge Kakalius, the brain that walked like a man. (laughs) Yes, yes, indeed. So we shall move on uh, to our final guest, who is someone who thinks she maybe saw Back to the Future once when she was a kid. Please welcome the very talented actor, Anna Sunberg. Hello, Joseph. Hello, Anna. How are you? I'm Jim and Josh. I'm well. How are you? Good, good. So I'd like to talk to you just each a little bit to get kind of exactly, you know, who you are in in your level of interest. So, Josh, 
tell the podcast world, <laughs> talk sexy to the podcast and tell it who you are and uh, what well, you want and what you're going to do to it. Yeah. Hello, podcast. I'm going to put on some Barry White. Uh, no, uh, I'm Josh. I'm an actor slash comedian in town and a comedy writer, which basically means mostly unemployed most of the time. <laughs> uh, just doing temp work. I work at Macy's right now. It's awesome. Yeah. During the holiday season? So, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I manage the holiday displays, so my day job is to yell at elves. <laughs> so you, but you manage the people, not the displays. What's that? No, I'm, I manage people in the displays. Okay. So, yes. The, there are just elves in the display? There's, there's, there's elves, or there's um, you know ushers that are basically grandmas that need something to do. So... <laughs> So your day job is yelling at grandmothers for the holidays. Yes, exactly. It's nice. the reason for the season. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry the fuck up, Grandma. Uh, so now tell me, you, you really, really like Back to the it, Future, ba- right? Back to the Future is my all-time favorite movie. Back to the Future 1 is my all-time favorite movie. It's like number one on my top five movie lists and everything like that. And it's always a, uh, you know, a litmus test if I'm dating somebody. I'm just like, what? Back to the future. <laughs> is the so test would not make the cut. So just... Is the test the question itself or the way you say it? <laughs> it's, it's, if she stays, stays after I ask it like that, then we're good. So, yeah. <laughs> What's her hearing range? And does she like? Back to the future? Is she a whale? <laughs> is she a whale? <laughs> no, she's not. She's lovely. Hi. Oh, do you, you have a lady friend here tonight? I do, I do. She is here tonight, yes. Oh, interesting. We'll come back to that box. <laughs> okay, so uh, Dr. Jim. May I call you Dr. Jim? Yes, you may. I'm used to calling you Dr. Jim. Yep. So tell us a little bit about uh, your amazing career. Okay. Um, by day, I'm a mild-mannered physics professor <laughs> at the University of Minnesota. Uh, but I'm also a comic book fan, which led to my creating a class at the University of Minnesota that was originally called... Everything I know about science I learned from reading comic books. Awesome. Which my colleagues say explains a great deal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which eventually led to my writing a popular science book, The Physics of Superheroes, and led to all sorts of strange, and and I have another book, The Amazing Story of Quantum Mechanics. Um, And then I had all sorts of very strange experiences from giving talks about superhero physics at places from the San Diego Comic-Con to the Library of Congress. Um, you performed with Woodstock, right? And Woodstock, awesome. yes. That was, that was amazing. Um, and then doing some science consulting for Hollywood movies. For, I was the science consultant for Watchmen, uh, for The Amazing Spider-Man. Wait, the, new, the remake? The remake. Did when, you have any script? When, like, he, <laughs> when he takes out his old fa- father's notebook mm-hmm. and he sees that equation there, that's actually my handwriting. Oh really? So you That's actually awesome. So your hand <laughs> That's uh they they asked me to come up with an equation that was going to be like, you know, serve as a plot point. And I took a real science equation and I added some mathematical glitter so that it wouldn't <laughs> so it wouldn't be the herpes of math equations. <laughs> well I I needed to bedazzle it a little bit. <laughs> Well, so that it wouldn't be a regular equation, because if it was like a real equation... Because then we would all be taken out of the movie, right? We'd be like, oh, that equation. Yeah, something like that. Um, So I'm actually responsible for Kirk Connors turning into the lizard. You? Really? That was me. One or two people in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) You know how to turn a man into a lizard. (laughs) 
for a price. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And uh, how did you feel about Back to the Future when it first came out? Do you like the film? Oh, I love the film. I saw it when it first came out. I enjoyed it a great deal. Um, I have given the science behind it a bit of thought. Awesome. Uh, Work, working on reverse engineering a flux capacitor. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm obsessed with it. No. no. Uh, the, the sequels didn't have the same appeal. Uh, all right, so let's move on to Anna. So Anna, tell us Hi. a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Anna. I'm uh, the opposite of Dr. Jim, and Josh Carson would never date me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know anything about this movie. I, th I can't remember what happened yesterday, so I, <laughs> I don't, don't remember. I think I saw it when I was a kid. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I guess I'm the dissenting voice, or maybe just the useless voice. I consider you the voice of reason. Oh, okay, <laughs> all right. Because at the moment where it sounds like we're all pushing up our glasses and saying, actually and technically and talking over one another, yeah. <laughs> you'll be the voice that says, come do, on, what the fuck? I do know that in your summary, that your nice summary at the beginning, you did not mention Huey Lewis and the news at all in your summary. The thing is, is that at one point I had three jokes attacking Huey Lewis and the news, <laughs> and I started cutting them, and then I, he was ultimately eliminated. Got it. There was a line about, at the end of the first one, everybody stands up to applaud and get the fuck out of the theater before they have to hear more Huey Lewis in the news. You don't get the power of love, man. I don't get the song, no. I really, I really um, don't. My favorite movie is The Silence of the Lambs. Okay, well, we'll come, we're, we're going to come back to that, Clarice. Yeah, speaking of family friendly. <laughs> Yeah, damn, that'll be, oh man, that'll be great. Okay, so we're going to talk to Josh a little bit as the truly obsessed person and get into a little bit of the nitty gritty. So, Josh, you're truly obsessed. I have some questions I've been asking people lately, you know, because people come on this podcast and they claim they're obsessed. Yes. But I've got some litmus questions that I've been working on. Oh, okay. Uh, so, are you going to ask them in my voice? No! <laughs> uh, so, if you were about to have sex, with the desirable lady. Okay. Perhaps your girlfriend. Okay. <laughs> and Back to the Future came on the television. Would you stop having sex to watch Back to the Future? Part one? <laughs> <laughs> the film or the sex? Are we talking about? <laughs> like, like, it's just about to start or it's in the middle and it's just it's like... It's oh, just you know about like, to start. It's like you had the TV on in the background and you thought like something crappy was going to come on, but like just as you're going in, okay. all right, <laughs> there are all those clocks, that opening shot you know and love. Uh, I have seen it enough times that I, I would not pass up that opportunity, but I would ask if we could leave it on. Yeah, wouldn't it make it better? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. when you get really excited... Okay. I don't. I don't see why it's that uh, an either or situation. It's I, not an either or. And I see this. This is why it's a good question because some people just psychologically approach it as an either or, and a lot of people say I can multitask. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> but now, wouldn't it change your your coitus uh, if you were aware that the film is going on? It's all about time yeah. and rhythm and the power of love. That film, well, right? Just, it, so, would you be like thinking like, how many scenes can I make it? Well, much like the Back to the Future movie, there'd be a, like a nice, steady build and a good energy to it, and then there would just be this wonderful finale. Great and, Scott! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, then afterwards, they'd be like, "I hope there's another one in like five years." 
There'd be the sudden fear that an old man is going to walk in and tell you there's, <laughs> exactly. that there's a problem with your children. We're, yes. We're done, and then all of a sudden, Doc bursts in. He's like, Josh, you got to do it again. you got to do it again. you got to do it again. And then she's all like, this, is get, this got weird. Yeah. See, so you think if Doc Brown burst in on you having sex, the first thing you would say is not great Scott or oh my, but do it again. Yes. He, Doc Brown knows all. He knows the exact moment to pull up in the DeLorean. <laughs> now everything's everything sounds sound like, like a euphemism you. now. Exactly. High five. Oh, Not really. Uh, <laughs> okay, so the, the second uh, litmus question is if Hitler came back through time. Ooh, and did he, he get he, a hold of the DeLorean? Maybe. He came back through time somehow. You don't know. Let's say uh, you were watching Back to the Future okay. and Hitler came in. Does he have a sports almanac? <laughs> yes, he has a sports almanac. Oh, shit. Okay. But it's from 1936. Okay. <laughs> and he doesn't believe half the results. <laughs> For obvious reasons. Oh. Uh, so would you, would you chat with Hitler about Back to the Future? If he was just like, hey, I don't want to talk about any other stuff that's gone down in my life. I just want to chat with you about Back to the Future. Would you chat with Hitler about Back to the Future? How did he hear about it? You, you, you don't, don't make up the side questions. Just <laughs> <laughs> Would you chat with Hitler? I, to distract him while we call the time cop <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> Fair enough. So it sounds to me that you, you have this faith that you can always see Back to the Future whenever you want. Exactly. Yes, and right. you know, you'll make sex and arresting Hitler a priority. <laughs> It'll, I'll get to it. So tell me about when you first saw the film. Uh, I first saw the, uh, the first one. Um, it came out in 85, so I was about six-ish. Uh, and so I didn't see it in the theaters, and I didn't see it until probably about two years later when my parents owned it on VHS. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and so uh, uh, my mom showed me it. And uh, just, just to give you an inkling of how my mom was showing me old movies. She showed me E.T. for the first time uh, on VHS, and it got to the part where uh, E.T. is really sick and supposedly dies. Yeah. And I am... Spoiler all, alert. Yeah, I know, sorry. <laughs> I'm all five-year-olds watching it, and I go to my mom's like, E.T.'s going to be okay, right? My mom goes, no, E.T. died. Stops the tape and takes it out of the VCR. Wow. And I just burst into tears, and I go, they didn't ride the bike yet! They didn't ride the bike! So she put it back on, and so my mom is mean. So then you watch Back to the Future. At what point in the film did your mom pause the tape and lie to you? It's just right after Doc Brown got shot. She's like, here you go. <laughs> yeah. There's no time travel at all in that. <laughs> no, but I remember just, I would watch it over and over to the point where it was taped off of uh, HBO or some such, and I wore out the tape, and we had to go out and physically buy it, and that's was actually more of an expensive process. Yeah, movie. yeah, so. yeah, back then. So, so what, what do you think it was about it that grabbed you? Uh, it was just, I mean, because I mean, it was the kid, it was rock and roll, and he had the big amplifier, and so I was hooked right from that. Yeah. Because my cousin was a musician, too, so like we were into that part of it. But it was just so, it kind of had a little bit of everything that like I like in a movie. It had the ad- adventure overall, 
and like that last sequence where he's trying to do the DeLorean and trying to get back in time, it's still suspenseful. I'm just like, this time you might not make it. Oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> like, it was just like that. And it is. It's a really real world kind of relatable because all it is is like, the fucking plug fell out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's the big suspense of the end of the film is, can these two dudes plug a thing back in? <laughs> yes. Which is really, like, it's powerful because it's relatable. But yeah, no, and it's just, and I think I was at an age where uh, I did not get that it was not okay to hang out with an old man in a garage and <laughs> that he was basically flirting with his mom throughout the whole thing. It's just, I actually never truly believed that they, it was the same actress until many, many years later, like when I was... You didn't I believe? Back to the Future, when I saw Back to the Future 2, and, and I was like, wait a second, that's the same person. There's, <laughs> there's makeup involved. <laughs> what? They must have had to wait a long time for Biff to lose weight to shoot the 50 <laughs> Cool. So since the films do, obviously, they jump in these very specific segments mm-hmm. of time, and we're getting very close to 2015, where the, the future happens in Back to the Future 2. Yeah. So do there's, you th- a, there's a lot we need to get done in the next couple of years. Exactly. So how much do you think about that, about, about how accurate it was? Uh, do, well, do you want the real answer? Because I know the real answer behind why... The no, I mean, so. I'm asking for you. Oh, did, yeah? Like, did you, in the intervening years since you saw Back to the Future 2... Did you spend time thinking about, like, I wonder if this thing is going to come up? We've got to make 15 more Jaws movies before <laughs> Jaws 19 comes out in 2015. we got to get on that. So you seem to have this specific obsession that Back to the Future 2 is like a challenge. A little bit. To humanity. I think Zemeckis that we need to like match that. 25 years ago was like, all right, I dare you, dorks. Come on. <laughs> now we're just, they just came out with like a hoverboard replica now. And okay. so that's a collector's item. But yeah, I think, you know, come on, everybody. Let's catch up to Back to the Future 2. Let's did you, do it. Did you like the sequels when you saw them? Uh, I did. I liked two better than I liked three initially. When I watched them, like, in theaters and stuff, and throughout the years, I always kind of thought that I having just watched them the other day, I realized that two is not, two is not great, and it's for, it's so scattershot, and so, because it's basically three different movies in one, and it's very just hard to, it gets so complicated that Christopher Lloyd actually has to grab a chalkboard and explain the plot of what's going (laughs) on. He literally gets out a chalkboard and says, this happened, this happened, then this happened. Now we're here, we gotta, and he maps out the rest of the movie, so we're all just kind of like, okay, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and I mean, it gets better once it, once it simplifies, and the whole point of it is, like, get the almanac back from Biff. So what do you, since we're coming close to 2015, and, and we're in a culture, I know you're a super big movie guy, we're in a culture mm-hmm. where things get remade. What do you think a remake of Back to the Future would look like now when Marty would need to travel back to 1985? Back to 1985? Uh, I, I said this when they were going to make Die Hard 4, and I was vehemently against that, but I'm just like, if they even attempt... To ma- remake this, I will, I will like start. I'll do every crazy internet thing that you can. <laughs> so you'll post on Facebook. I will he won't po- leave yes. his house. Exactly. He will just <laughs> you'll I, ask people to copy and paste that status. I will. Update. I will tweet the necessary people. <laughs> I will. No. It's will you get on Google Plus? Will you go that far? <laughs> yeah. I, oh yeah. I'll okay. Get on Google Plus. Hey everybody. No. No one. Okay. <laughs> I'm bringing MySpace back. Everybody, come on. We're doing this. All right, so uh, Dr. Jam, I'd like to move on to you. So, uh, so I think we know a little bit about like your your perception of the films. 
So obviously this is like a super big science film and Doc Brown is like a, a scientist. He's a picture for a lot of people of, hey, that's a scientist. <laughs> How do you feel about the portrayal of scientists via Doc Brown? Well, whenever I'm home relaxing with a colander on my head, <laughs> I think <laughs> DeLoreans are for wussies. <laughs> I, um, no, I don't like the idea, the, the portrayal of scientists that we work in, in garages and basements and not you know, research labs. <laughs> Universities, <laughs> with, maybe. You know, like infrastructure, <laughs> like electricity <laughs> and, and yes. other, other things. Um, <laughs> the idea is sort of like, I was trying to make my toaster work faster, <laughs> but it discovered black matter instead. <laughs> exactly, yes. Um, you know, between Zach Brown and the Ghostbusters, scientists were kind of badasses back in the 80s. With they, fucked up hair. Badasses <laughs> with fucked up hair. That's yeah. what the 80s gave us for scientists. Yeah. So we got half of that right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the idea of, like, you know, building things just on your own and, and, and everything else, that unfortunately, sadly, is, is not the case. I like the idea that there's a tremendous amount of energy that you'd have to invoke or to employ if you're going to rip a tear in the space-time continuum. And so, <laughs> um, is 1.21, is that enough gigawatts, or would they need more? It is pronounced gigawatt. <laughs> actually, and so... E.T. dies? <laughs> it's actually, it's, that's actually kind of interesting, because a, a gigawatt is a billion watts, is a large unit of energy. The amount of energy, say, in a lightning bolt, that's all cool. But they just saw it written and made like a standard error that I always make when I just read a word and not know how it's pronounced and make a guess at it. It's not jigga like jiggly. <laughs> Getting jiggy with Getting it. Jiggy. Yeah. <laughs> but you get giggy with it. Giggle, gigawatt. Please tell me you use that in your class. <laughs> no, that that needs to be a, a song that is sampled and turned into a rap or auto-tune. <laughs> So it's not so much that it's that many gigawatts. That much gigawatts alone, that's how much, like, say, that's like a, the amount of energy of a nuclear power plant or one-third of an arc reactor. But here's where the capacitor shows up because a capacitor is like two plates and you put positive charge on one side and negative charge gets pulled to the other. So if you put positive energy on the one side, you'll get negative energy on the other. Now, people have suggested negative... We know what zero energy is. No one knows what negative energy is, leaving my brother-in-law out of it. But... <laughs> but, but, but I'm bummed. I know. Zing. <laughs> I keyed. I keyed because I love. <laughs> but, but if you had negative... Negative energy is what is postulated to be necessary to hold open a wormhole that you're, if you're going to travel through space and time. So you would, if there's anything that you are going to employ in that, you'll need a large amount of energy and a capacitor. So, and flux is just the flow of, say, energy per unit area. So they're not so. entirely full of shit with no, the flux capacitor. I'm just saying that I'm having trouble stabilizing the design shown in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but once I get a few uh, technical points licked, 
I think I'm going to be able to get some sports bets down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to put you through your science paces. So I've got uh -oh. a couple of very specific, okay. like scientifically, physics-wise, how could this happen? Okay. So here we go. We're going we're gonna to rock it through these. Scientifically, what is the best way to stop your mom from hitting on you? Ah... Uh, here you're invoking the, the famous many worlds interpretation of Black Back to the Future. Um, I would say probably the best way is to talk in detail about flux capacitors <laughs> <laughs> and negative energy. Okay, excellent. It's worked for me. <laughs> How has it worked for you, Josh? <laughs> No comment. All right. <laughs> so uh, how could a car, why would a car going through this time travel process with all the gigawatts, why would, why would the tires make fire? Because uh, the DeLorean is known to leak oil like a <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Because foreign cars suck. Okay, right. Right. No, you are, a, you are a back to the future stand-up. You've been like... <laughs> Finally, my gig. Okay. <laughs> and this is one that my wife demanded that I ask. Because she is very eco-friendly. How could garbage possibly fuel the DeLorean time machine? Oh, that... Because every chemical bond and every molecule is hold, held together by about, like, one electron volt of energy. There are trillions and trillions of them there. You have more than enough uh, gigajoules of energy, if you can get them all to burn in a short enough time, you can get gigawatts of energy out of, out of garbage. If you knew how to convert it like the Silver Surfer and just convert the <laughs> matter into raw energy. Okay, so this is my final question, and this is kind of a general time travel question that I'm fascinated with, is like everybody sort of narratively loves to go to the don't meet yourself in Back to the Future. It's the, you know, you'll screw up your own timeline. Mm -hmm. But then a lot of time travel movies take it to the next step of don't touch yourself. What do you think the science behind the warning of touching yourself is? Or is that just a total narrative invention? No, I think actually that's a bit of a myth. Nearly all of the models for time travel involve also like parallel dimensions and, and alternate Earths and things. I mean, we see this. They know when the lightning bolt is going to strike the clock tower because the clock stopped. But they set up then a lightning rod that deflects the lightning bolt that, so it doesn't stop the clock in the clock tower because the energy goes into the car. So Really? So then those biddies in 1985 have to care nothing, about something else. Well, it's, so it's, I mean, Save Huey Lewis! <laughs> it, it clearly comes back to an alternate timeline from the one that he left. Uh, uh, and it could very well be a parallel Earth and not the one that he left. If you go back and you're dealing with a parallel Joseph Scrimshaw or a parallel, you know, Josh, you know, go, go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> You've given me a goal for the year, sir. <laughs> wow, you, you have given me a lot to think about. <laughs> I have learned from you scientifically that not to buy a foreign car, the oil will leak. I have learned that I can touch myself with impudence and return to a future version of myself that is happy because I touched him. You could use impudence, you could use anything you like. And I can use garbage for fuel, which go. I'm going to start doing in my Toyota Yaris <laughs> and just wonder why it's not working. 
Okay. So uh, is, there, is there anything else in specific that you wanted to share about Back to the Future? No, that's pretty much it. It's <laughs> <laughs> all out of material. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you got. Cross that all part three jokes. <laughs> okay. So uh, let's that's move it. on yeah. to, uh, to Anna Sundberg. So Anna, do let's solve this mystery. Did you see the film? So... Princess Buttercup shoves Wesley down the hill. Son of a bitch. And he yells, bitch. as you wish, and she knows it's no. Uh, uh, no, I, I think I did. I think I did. I liked Michael J. Fox on Family Ties. Right. And I saw that growing up. The young Republican asshole, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was, yeah. No, I think I did. I mean, I remember Christopher Lloyd. I remember the clock and the DeLorean. And, so uh, it's that possible that you saw the Caroline film? Caroline in the City or whatever. You saw the, either saw the film or a trailer. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember anything about it. I, okay. She doesn't remember Back to the Future, but she remembers Caroline in the fucking city. Yeah. Caroline and Gia Thompson, right? I'm sorry, Wasn't she I, in the movie? Yeah, I would remember it if it was called Caroline in the fucking city. <laughs> was I that the name of the show? Then. Caroline? That was the name of okay. the show. <laughs> she was a cartoonist. Yeah, I remember that yeah. show. Yeah, Leah Thomas, great. There's one season. No, no. Was it? You got that like your suddenly Susan DVDs. <laughs> 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 Susan <laughs> dies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so w- when you hear people like chattering about the film, because like to me it's kind of fascinating because I like the the original when I saw it, and then the sequels came out. I was like, eh, whatever. But then I kind of feel like a couple years ago I turned around, it was like this beloved classic, and I didn't quite realize that. So do you feel like people talk to you about Back to the Future, that it's like floating around in our culture? Um, if they do, I don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've heard him talk about it. <laughs> uh, For podcast listeners, she's pointed at Josh <laughs> like he's a piece of meat when she says him. I think I heard that one talk about it. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, obviously... Talking about Star Wars is a more prevalent thing people talk about that I don't listen to. (laughs) (laughs) That's more more where your tune out button is. Okay, so when when you feel it coming, when somebody's like, well, actually, Star Wars, where do you go to? Where's your happy place in your mind that you go to? I don't know if there is a happy place. Do you just, like, start, like, Saying uh, numbers in your mind to not hear, or no, I'm probably on Facebook or something. Okay, <laughs> she goes, Remember the single guy with Jonathan Silverman? Yeah. <laughs> or Boston. That was a what about um, Boston Commons? <laughs> <laughs> sex in the fucking city. That's great. Caroline, Sex in the City was actually a successful show. That's true. <laughs> she has no time for that. Too many seasons. Too many, Too many seasons. seasons. Okay, so uh. Is there any movie that you would stop having sex to watch? Uh, <laughs> I just heard your boyfriend laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, never watch that. I don't. I don't think so. I think that. Uh, I think Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas was on once, and I got really interested in that. It wasn't with you; it was with somebody else. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, wait a minute! Oh, you're saying oh, that this you're shit got oh. good. <laughs> Wasn't it on? Wasn't it on yesterday? (laughs) You were you were having sex in Fear and Loathing, came on, and you were like, "Oh, Johnny Depp!" And no, I just love that movie so much. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but were you having sex when it came on? That's what it so. sounded like. It was a long time ago. This is this is pre my. Boyfriend you remember and being excited to see that this film randomly came on, but you don't remember if it was during sex. Um, yeah, I think it was. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, th I, th I think you're just dodging me. <laughs> so, um, but and no, did you I just get distracted, or yeah, did you stop? I got distracted. No, I don't think I stopped. Okay. I got distracted. All right. So, if you, if you, Anna, could travel yes. in time, where would you go? Like, if somebody just gave you a time machine, where would you take it? That's a really good question. Um... I don't know. I don't think I would do anything to see my own life, though. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't want to go see my younger self or my parents. I think I'd want to go see um, some historical figure that right. I, you know, you know, like Shakespeare or something. Like, you know, I think that I'd be more interested in that. Okay, so do you think you'd go see Shakespeare? Me? Yeah, maybe. He's a he's a definite contender. <laughs> <laughs> Would your goal be to observe Shakespeare or affect Shakespeare? I think observe. Affecting sounds scary. Like, I don't want to change. But a know. physicist who works at the University of Says Minnesota that I touch him, I know. just told us it was okay. Yeah. So you could go back in time and go up to Shakespeare and say, someone from the University of Minnesota told me this was okay. I could go up okay. to Shakespeare and say, yeah. There's no danger of fear and loathing in Las Vegas coming on TV right now. Yeah, uh, I no. would go. I would go warn Shakespeare like I just. You know what? Don't write your shit because there's gonna be a lot of shitty mashups for my time. <laughs> <laughs> so you would go back and observe Shakespeare. I uh, bet you'd probably see him with a quill writing. Yeah, probably. Maybe not. We don't know. And that's. I mean, because it's a great mystery, you know. Like really? it would be cool. Yeah. Do you think it's actually a mystery that Shakespeare... Yeah, totally. So I think going back and, you know, uh, quenching some sort of, like, you have no idea what the real story was, like, that would be cool to go back and, and look at that, I think. Awesome. So, I don't know. Yeah. Well, so let, let's say you accidentally... Let's say you go back in time. Mm -hmm. Picture it. You go back in time. Mm. You're looking for Shakespeare. You don't know exactly what he looks like because you're just looking for... A guy with a goatee who looks like a woodcut. Yes, you know maybe. how you could yeah, fucking right, recognize exactly. Shakespeare. <laughs> so what if you end up like bumping into him in a bar and he's like picking up on you and you like go home with him? You're like, oh, what do you know? He's Shakespeare. What? So imagine all this has happened. Uh huh. And he wants to write a play about you and you're like, oh, damn, it's Shakespeare. Would you let him? Yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah. And then I would act in it in 2013. <laughs> Where? Hopefully. Yeah. How does Victorian... And that's why your parents named you Lady Macbeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. How does Victorian Biff get the manure dumped on him? Though, <laughs> he's, when just he's just walking around. He's just, walk he's yeah, just under a window. Back then, how do you not get it dumped <laughs> on you? That's the question. <laughs> that's the scientific answer. <laughs> So, do you have any predictions about the future? Predictions or desires of... <laughs> that was creepy. <laughs> um, predictions, yeah, or what you would like to see the world become in 30 years, technologically. Like bring what? back Caroline in the city. Yeah, bring back... Where's Lee Thompson? Where's Biff? Where's the guy who played Biff? What did he do with his career? That was a question from John Riedlinger, not yes. from me. <laughs> he doesn't have much of a career. Josh, you know this, right? Uh, Thomas F. Wilson is doing yeah. fine, actually. <laughs> uh, he, is a, he is a popular stand-up in L.A., and 
he actually has when somebody comes up to meet him and they like I, I love Back to the Future. He's like, okay, hands uh, them a card which has all his frequently asked questions on it. It was like, no, it wasn't real manure. My favorite was part three. I got to ride a horse. Michael J. Fox and I, guy. he won't talk about it, but he will give you this card that has all the information yeah, on it. Yeah, I've seen that card. And that, I, what I love about that card is not only is it a friendly and efficient way to handle frequently asked questions, but it's this peek into humanity because it's not an asshole thing. He actually waited like a decade of frequently asked questions. So it's kind of scientific. And the scientific questions are sort of like, how did you feel about the big themes of Back to the Future? And then the next question is, was it real shit? <laughs> so you get this picture. Isn't that the same question? <laughs> <laughs> it's honest humanity. I love that. Okay. So yeah, so that's where Biff is. But what, what, what would you like to see in the future? Yeah, Anna? I don't know. I feel like my questions are a lot harder than their questions because I didn't actually see the movie. Um, you should have done the homework. Yeah, I guess so. I, I, now I want to watch it. Um, you think asking you what... What you personally would like to happen <laughs> is more difficult than the actual science of garbage powering yeah, a time machine. There's a real answer there. Like mine is all like ephemeral. Like he's got a real he's got a real solid answer. So in other words, yours is an open-ended question yeah, and his was like a closed-ended question. Like yeah, Do you I want don't me to know. list things I, that you might like? I don't like I don't really I have learned to Ride the ride and not, <laughs> not, qu not question things too much. That was also a lesson during Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> Do, but you know, like I, I feel like whenever I have predictions about the right. future or think about what I would like to happen, I always get disappointed. So it's uh, so I don't do that anymore. <laughs> so basically. you don't make predictions about the future? No. You, mm -mm. Because of fear of disappointment? Yes. Okay, well, that answered my question <laughs> in a different way. Okay, so here's another open-ended thematic question for you. So I'm fascinated with uh, uh, how the films wrestle with. The first film is really all kind of thematically, it's about the willingness to stand up for yourself. And everything hinges on, on Marty's father being willing to stand up for himself. But then the second and the third film, which were written together, have this theme line that's constructed between them about needing to find a balance of that, of you can't just always fly off at the handle and use violence to resolve your issues. So to me, I'm interested in you, Anna. When do you think it's okay to punch people? <laughs> um, I guess, you know, <laughs> uh, I think it's okay in a boxing ring. Um, <laughs> and uh, maybe to get back at the bully at school. When people have your back and you're not going to get pummeled, <laughs> you know, like, you won't be alone. Right. Um, so you feel it's morally justifiable when people have your back. It's smarter. <laughs> I can't um, argue with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's a, it's, it's a natural human reaction. I think it's okay to punch people. <laughs> just in general. <laughs> just in general. Okay. I said I'm. I'm gonna, I, I, ha I didn't know if I was going to go here, but I, it was based on your answer. Didn't know he was going there with I, this. Well, no, no, no. It, it, no this was not a going? trick. I was just asking. So it, as it happens, 
You have physically struck one of our guests. You hit Josh Carson. He right, dared right. me to. I did not dare yes, you to. Yes, you did. No, I did say I dare you to hit Somebody me. Somebody did. We didn't reenact Fight Club. <laughs> I think it was Mike Rylander. You promised not to talk no, about that. Somebody was like, I'm gonna give, I'll give you five bucks if you slap Josh Carson in the no, face. It was, and that was not a punch. It was a slap. It's it true. was it's a true. combination of the two. <laughs> no, I would not. What happened was... It was a slap that she put her back in, right? <laughs> yes. Oh, I don't half-ass a slap. <laughs> it was a dare. I did it. It was a dare. And I don't like when people dare me to do things because they think that I won't do it. Right. So this is, this is very much like what happens to Marty in Back to the Future 2 and 3 is you are going to react if somebody calls you a chicken. Right? That's no, going to make... I will react if they dare me to react... <laughs> After they call me a chicken. Well, that's, a, that's a different dare. I mean, it's, it's the same thing as a dare, right? No, no. I, I mean, like the real. How like, is that different? <laughs> you actually have to be like, I dare you to, and then there's like a reward at the end. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, the reward at the end is you're if like, motherfucker, someone, I'm not a chicken. If someone that's calls me a one. chicken, that's not. I mean, I don't. That doesn't bother me. <laughs> well, they don't call it. They don't say it in a peaceful way. Like, by the way, you're a chicken. It's not like that. It's like challenging you. Can I clarify <laughs> sure. the I use of I'm the word dare in this in this entire scenario? Yeah, I think. It, okay, go ahead. Is this a way to keep kids off drugs? Is it, yeah, no, we were at uh, a friend's wedding, and there was karaoke going on. I was the next to go on to sing. Oh, that's who it was. It was the guy the karaoke who host. runs yes. the karaoke host dared me to slap him. Right. So she, went, uh, she wanted her friend to sing. And then he was like, on deck is Josh Carson. And Anna was like, what? I want to hear my friend sing. And so she went up to him and was like, what do I got to do to hear my friend sing a little song? And they're like, well, Josh is next. Like, well, what do I, I, want, I want my friend to go next. What do I got to do? Smack Josh Carson in the face. Okay, not a moment's hesitation. <laughs> Turned around, bam! And I'm just like, hot, oh, God! And like, we had recently become Facebook friends, so it's like, I, I kind of knew her, but I was just... It was like she was poking you. <laughs> it, was. it was, but I just, I sat back, and I was just like, what the hell? And I looked over at my friend at the wedding, and, and he just goes, at some point in your life, you did something to deserve that. Let's just write that one off. <laughs> like, okay. That was my feeling. My, what I... <laughs> What I enjoyed is that this was happening on a stage, and you couldn't see all the angles, and I didn't see the slap at all. I only saw Anna, and Anna really wanted her friend to sing, and she had this nice dress on, and she was on a big stage, and she had this sort of downward energy in her body, and this death in her eyes, and I was just like, oh my God, she's Carrie. <laughs> People are going to start dying. Things are going to start yeah. moving through the room because her will is oh, that strong. If only. No. <laughs> All right. So, Anna, my sorry, last question Josh. is no, about... I'm not sorry. What? I mean, no, like, don't apologize. I have no reason to Don't apologize. Sorry. No, that, that, me and the karaoke house now have a slap bet. I get to slap him, like, three times throughout life. I slapped him oh. twice. So, one more... You know, actually, yeah, this is, you know, this is actually... Sarah Richardson. Uh, I wanted her to sing Sarah Richardson. Oh, I remember. Yeah, she, she, she has a beautiful girl. voice. Yeah, she's you know, very beautiful lovely. singer. Beautiful great, singer. great, great. I too bad we didn't hear that. No. What did you sing, Carson? Uh, I don't even remember. I have like two songs, and I, I think it was Tom Jones. <laughs> she's a lady. <laughs> so you got slapped by Anna, and then sang "She's a Lady." <laughs> 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 
It was really sad. Like, well, she's all you ever want. She's the kind I'll make dinner. <laughs> My molar's loose. <laughs> okay. Well, on on this topic of hitting Josh, we're gonna move on to the quiz. Um, I've put together a quiz, uh, and it's it's kind of it's they're hard questions. They're tough questions. So I'm only gonna ask them of Josh. But here's the thing. If Josh gets the questions wrong, I would like either Jim or Anna, you guys can volunteer, to knock on his forehead and say, hello, McFly. <laughs> okay. When he gets an answer wrong. So which of you would me. like to go first? Yeah. The person who's previously <laughs> struck Josh Carson? Or the scientist? <laughs> if I had a nickel. <laughs> <laughs> so Jim or Anna, who wants to go first? Or I'll assign it. To answer the question, or should knock him on his head? To, to hit him on the head and, and say hello, McFly, if he gets it wrong. Well, I like to try for the interest of science. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Jim, you're first up. So if he gets this wrong, okay. knock him on the head, hello, McFly, nice and loud. Okay, so Josh, are yes. you ready? Yeah. Okay, these are kind of deep cuts. Okay. But I know you know the film really well. I personally recently purchased the Back to the Future trilogy on DVD from Amazon.com. What was my confirmation code? <laughs> QX2VVR2XG. There were no letters in it. <laughs> Hello, big fly. Big fly, big fly, big fly. <laughs> that was sensual. <laughs> that was awfully sensitive, so Anna's going to do the rest. Oh, God. <laughs> Jim was very nice, he by was, the way. He was very he, gentle. He knocked on he the table. The, yeah. he, he, tried, he tried to take the kind route. Lightly tapped. And, and he just leaned in and went, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but Anna, if you want to move into position and get ready to, to knock on Josh's head, according to Wikipedia, in early drafts of the film, Doc Brown didn't have a dog. He had a different animal. What animal was it? No, he always had a dog. That was always... It was... It was Copernicus. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly yeah, I, I turned. And then <laughs> step it was by step. Though. Inch by inch. I'm going to want confirmation Anna, on Anna this. give him the hello McFly. Hello <laughs> That is incorrect. It's, it, in the original drafts, it was a monkey. It, it, what are you reading? Wikipedia, like That's the question okay. said. All right. According to Wikipedia. That's, I missed the according to. Yeah, all right. Anna, you should just stay standing. Is your head okay? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. All right, Josh. Exactly how many tracks are on the 1990s CD release of Back to the Future 3 soundtrack? Um, According to Wikipedia. No, I actually know this because I use this as a sound effect in the show. There is... 18? That is exactly correct. Yes! Here. <laughs> you can knock on my head and say hello, Scrimshaw. <laughs> yeah. Hello, hello, Scrimshaw. Oh, God, it hurts so good. <laughs> the rest are going to be me knocking on your head. Oh, no. Yeah. All right. So uh, here's your next question Is it scientifically possible for a human male to retain an erection while listening to Huey Lewis in the news? <laughs> Yes, it is, because that's the power of love. This is an opinion question. That is incorrect! <laughs> Hello! Hello, McFly! <laughs> I need, are there judges? 
just me? <laughs> All right, so this is this is the final question. Okay. So it could be as impressive do, as a soundtrack all three question. Of you get to. Yeah, get it'll there. be a threesome if you're wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> threesome plus you. Let's let's hope fear and loathing isn't on. Or <laughs> <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> she will <laughs> wear <laughs> your flesh. It's <laughs> a nice Keon. All right. <laughs> Josh Carson. Yes. Please recite my favorite line of dialogue from Back to the Future. <laughs> Why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Close. Oh, oh, you just there. changed it. No, no, no. That's a good one. I do like that one. But my favorite line is, well, hello, McFly. It's close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My favorite line is, though. What, do we become assholes? <laughs> I love that line. All right, let's all gang up on Josh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hello, McFly! I'm just happy to be involved in something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's all about you. <laughs> so is there anything about Back to the Future that any of you guys feel you must share before we wrap up? I... I regret that we haven't talked about my, my favorite uh, like questions that the first movie has. Okay. Like, wh- at the very end of the movie, well, they call him Calvin Klein throughout the entire movie. Right. And then at some point, he's like, ah, Marty's my nickname, so then they start calling him Marty. At no point when Calvin Klein becomes famous do they ever, like, do you think that's the guy we went to high school with? They never, like, <laughs> question it. But then the mom says, like, Marty, what a nice name. Let's wait till the third kid to name it. <laughs> Here's the thing that I turned to Sarah when we rewatched we, we these for this podcast. I said, like, at what age does the mom start to go, like, he looks like that guy I almost <laughs> did in 1955? Or when does, like, George go, like, that guy looks like the guy we hung out with in high school exactly. from 1955? Any other questions that you just like to throw out there uh, just, without or, answering? Or the, the, one, the one part that I absolutely hate about the movie is when he needs to convince George to ask out the mom. So he dresses up in the suit and then like plays Van Halen in his ear and pretends he's a space guy from yeah. he's Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan. And he like you know, that's just stupid because everything else is somewhat hinged in reality. But now all of a sudden we're supposed to believe George went out and met this woman because an alien told him to. And at what point... Does he, is, when Star Trek comes on or Star Wars comes on, does he go, hey, that alien visited those guys I'm going to turn to Jim for this one, because I actually find that sort of like, there, there's a nice part of the film that it has that sort of homage to, to actual baby boomer 1950s perspectives, mm-hmm. and that science fiction was a mix of entertainment and paranoia at the time that right, it was in right. existence. Yeah. So that... That yeah, was something he was legitimately frightened of. That kind of thing, yeah. yeah, that the paranoia, that, that the allegory of aliens as Russians, that someone from outside is going to come and demand things or take things from us. Yeah. It's very real. Yeah. I, for one, welcome our new ant overlords. <laughs> <laughs> you are the coolest professor. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so Josh, starting with you. Yeah. If you could put an image of your face on anything and have it mass-produced at no cost to you, what would you put your face on? Uh, one of those ping-pong paddles that's got, got the ball attached to it. Like the, <laughs> so, it's just, so it's just, I keep having a ball like smashing into my face. We call it a sunberg. And like, there we go. 
So you would be repeatedly just struck repeatedly by just, yourself. Yeah, exactly. Just repeatedly. Quit hitting yourself. Quit hitting yourself. <laughs> the professor's making fun. I played fun. that game with my dog today. <laughs> was your dog not letting someone do karaoke? No. no it was like, you know, it was fun. <laughs> She's got a taste for blood and she likes it. All right, so Dr. Jim. If you could have the proportionate strength and abilities of any animal, what animal would it be? Mm. What? The proportionate okay. strength of it? Uh, probably I, uh, uh, an elephant or something. Something really powerful and big and strong. I don't know. Um, I'd like to have the proportionate intelligence of... Oh, uh, an elephant? No, <laughs> just of a human. <laughs> We've learned a lot. Uh, okay, Anna, if there was a cocktail created in your honor, what would it be called? Uh, the the Sunberg. <laughs> if it wasn't named after you, if somebody like made an amazing cocktail and like, <clears throat> ah, but I don't like your name. <laughs> um, wanted to name it something I... else. What, what would you What would you have them call it? The the slap in the face. Fox <laughs> sledgehammer. So, <laughs> the firebox sledgehammer. Fire no, that's a good one. That's good. Okay, so for all of you, I'm gonna. Uh, this is the final question I ask all guests on the podcast. So you each get asked the same question. Josh, what is happiness? Uh. Happiness is um, unex a surprise joy that you weren't expecting in your life. That's happiness. Nice. Uh, Dr. Jim, what is happiness? Doing what you were supposed to do, what you were meant to do. Nice. Anna? There have been two nice answers. <laughs> and this is an open-ended question. Uh, Smacking the puss. <laughs> a cocktail take, that sounds violent. Can I take your class? Can I just sit there and be with you? <laughs> uh, I think I ha I'm not having to work too hard. <laughs> I, for one, welcome our new Chinese overlords. <laughs> Thank you very much. That is our podcast. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed.